Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host in New Orleans by mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And on the phone with me today, I have Chef Damian Yopek. And for my listeners out there, y'all know that I love my social media. And we actually met, I believe, on Instagram and Facebook through a mutual chef friend. And uh, that was years ago, right, Chef Damian? Yeah, it was definitely a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, y'all, Chef Damien is the chef at is the sous chef at Margot Brasserie in Chicago, which I just had the opportunity to dine at, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to get him on the show to talk a little bit about the meal I had there, but also about French cooking because French cooking and French cuisine and history are very near and dear to our heart here in Louisiana. So, uh, Chef Damien, thanks for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. Well, I have to say that when I went there to eat the other day, you knocked my socks off. So, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That's you know that's what we wake up to do is to make sure that people leave happy and uh, have an amazing memory. One of my uh, dining companions kind of giggled because she said, "Amy, you're going straight from France." to a French restaurant. You better be nice to these people. And I said, I didn't even have to. You know, y'all y'all brought y'all bring your A game every day, right? That's right. You know, it's those little touches that we do um to really show uh to give the guests the experience as well, you know, whether or not if I if I know you or not, uh we're going to try to make sure every single day that we do something a little special for you, an anniversary, a birthday, uh, uh getting a night out from uh, your kids, whatever you need to do, just to make sure that everybody has a, an amazing time. Well, so Chef, while I have you, I want to talk a little bit about French cooking. And, you know, here in Louisiana, we like to think that we know French cooking, but I do feel that we are not so classic. And uh, so our idea of what we think is French cooking is oftentimes Louisiana cooking that has a French twist. So when we say that term, you know, what are the basics? What's it mean? Well, that's uh, the basics, I guess you would say, uh, French cooking. Uh, it really kind of boils it down to simplicity. Um, making things taste the way they're supposed to taste, uh, whether it be butternut squash, making sure that butternut squash, when you cook it, it tastes like butternut squash, not butternut squash, thyme, cream, rosemary, you know, paprika, whatever herbs you put into it, um, and not confusing you with flavors. Um, it can be complex, but still at the same time, uh, using simple ingredients to to achieve the goal that you want. Um, when you look at, uh, you know, classic cuisine from like Marseille uh, uh, or the French Riviera, it's, uh, you know, a lot of food from the sea and a lot of uh, kind of Mediterranean flavors that, that flow into it as well. Um, but it's simple and it's to the point. Um, never, never fusion. And, you know, I think that one thing that is so distinct to me about French cuisine is that kind of simplicity and that balance. But some might say the complication comes in the technique that creates that. Mm, that's very good. You, you know, when you talk about you talk about the food, uh, yes, I, I mentioned simplicity, but it is technique. What I what I like to tell our cooks every day because it is a 
not only is the kitchen a um, a schoolroom, but uh, you know it's also the dining experience. And in order for us to teach our cooks uh, how to do the dish correctly, they need to understand that what we do and what French cook- cooking is 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 winning the war in prep to make sure that you have all of your solid and sound techniques at the beginning. So then when it's all put together, it looks like it was an effortless, um, an effortless dish that just came, came onto the plate. And, you know, I love that because uh, our home cooks out there, one of the things that I always tell people is, you know, follow the rules, get your mise en place. You don't want to be cooking something and then go, Oh my gosh, I don't have an egg. And, have to run around or run to the grocery or knock on the neighbor's door. But right. also having knowing what you're doing and how you're doing it is important because I can only imagine the stress if you decide to tackle a new recipe and a new technique that, you, that you're not familiar with right before you're serving it to someone. It can get pretty complicated. So what things should home cooks be honing their skills with at home? Well, you know, I think you nailed it right there as well. The the idea and the meaning of mise en place uh, is having everything in order uh, to create one one specific goal, right? I always tell uh, all of our cooks as well is that just like when you're trying to solve a math equation, there's an order of operations uh, in how uh, cooking needs to happen. Um, you can't start sweating your onions until you've cut them. Uh, you can't start uh, braising your meats until they're nicely roasted and you have all of your mirepoix uh, in your pan. So uh, just knowing and learning the order of operations, how to cook, um, especially if you're a self-taught home cook, the best thing to do is just to know that cookbooks, um, when they give you um, your procedure to create a recipe, that, that's the order of operations right there, and you can kind of memorize that as you go along. And, I, you know, I, I think we've all made our own mistakes in the kitchen, and that's kind of part of learning. And one of the first mistakes that, you know, I made and I worked so hard to not make again is not reading that whole recipe in order of operations because you get excited, you see your ingredients, you go ahead and put out your ingredients, and then because you haven't read what happens at the end, you're not ready for it when it, it comes up. Correct. Um, you know, as much as cooking is an open uh, form for creativity and uh, you want to just produce food, cook good food, there is a science behind it. Um, and in all, just like in all science, one thing has to happen first before another thing can happen. Um, and really just understanding the science behind food um, can really can really take you a lot farther than you can think uh, because you can use that you say you understand the science of um, searing a piece of meat, what is actually happening there. Uh, that goes for the same for almost every other thing you want in to achieve flavor, achieve caramelization, achieve that perfect temperature to get those flavors um, in the dish or on that piece of meat. And, you know, I think that's a great point because, uh, 
we like to think that we are being artistic, right? We're we're creating something beautiful, full of love, that's delicious, and we're we're kind of adapting at times on the fly. But the science, if we don't follow the science of it, all of that other stuff doesn't happen. And um, when we say, you know, the science behind the food, you said, you know, searing meat. Uh, what are some other things that are like kind of rules like that, uh, that you go, okay, this is the science. And if we don't do it this way, we're not going to get the outcome. Well, um, another big thing would be salt. <laughs> you read my salt. mind. Yeah, salt you use in so many different applications, and it does so many things for you. The best chefs in the world know exactly how to use salt and pepper. Um, but not using it just to season, but to, let's say, we're, we're sautéing some mushrooms. How do you want uh, mushrooms in your fricassee? Do you want some nice caramelization on them? Or do you want to draw out all the moisture so that it, it kind of concentrates the flavors? Well, you would do that with salt because salt draws out moisture. So all depending on when you season your food or when you add the salt is, is going to give you a different uh, flavor, taste, texture, everything else with those particular mushrooms. So you add the, mush the salt at the beginning. You won't get a lot of caramelization, but you'll draw out the moisture. You'll get an intense flavor from that mushroom. It just won't be sweet. You add your salt at the end you've already caramelized and cooked some of the moisture out now you're just drawing the excess out but you've achieved achieved those caramely notes that you're looking for um in a you know high heat situation and it's so important and i mean we see that in just our our home cooking and knowing that that salt is pulling the moisture even just out of our onions that we're sauteing and one of the things i actually got in a conversation with a client this weekend about how our palates are perceiving dishes earlier you were talking about balance and simplicity and i feel like sometimes in america we are over salting our food and Correct. we're tasting things and if it isn't salty because we have been so used to over salted food that we think that it needs salt and i personally think that then you should start to reach for acid because it's kind of awakening you know awakening your mouth you know, what What do you see as, you know, those kinds of things, like something that's going to brighten a dish or things that maybe people will taste and think it's missing, but really it's it's about the balance and adding? Right. Well, that's, that's a uh, very good question and also can lead to some confusing uh, answers from me about that. Good. Uh, as in, as long as everybody understands the difference between taste and flavor. Um, flavors are more aromas. Taste is actually what your tongue is perceiving. So your tongue has five senses. Um, you can taste and detect with your tongue sweet, salty, bitter, umami, and sour. Everything else is just aromas through your nose. Um, so when we talk about balance, most of the time we're talking about balance all of those five things on your tongue for a complete dish to feel like that. You said you had something salty. You want to go for acid to kind of brighten the dish up. If, that we, also if they don't have enough, if they don't have enough salt or the person right. thinks there's not. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, so uh, the acid or the acidity kind of, you know, it wakens the tongue up, but it only wakens certain parts of the tongue up, just like saltiness would kind of negate sweet, uh, bitter would negate umami, and different ways like that. So balancing a dish is knowing how to balance your tongue. Um, I always think everything needs a shot of uh, lemon juice or sherry vinegar <laughs> at the end anyways, <laughs> just because... I love that freshness that, um, like you said, awakens your tongue. It opens up your senses and it brightens everything. Now, um, you know, I, I kind of giggle because here we are. We're saying, okay, it's it's simple. It's balanced. You know, you learn your technique. You prepare. And then we say, okay, but it's about taste and flavor and aroma and what's happening on your tongue. But then my 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 head goes back to... Some of these classic French dishes are so perfect and have been cooked for so many generations that all those answers have already been given to us. What do you think about that? No, I mean, there's a reason why these dishes are classic. These are the dishes that Escoffier wrote about. These are the dishes that if you walk into any single French bistro, um, French restaurant, there's always some adaptation of these dishes. I mean, uh, Chef, you came and ate at our restaurant, and uh, we had two different versions of duck a l'orange on our menu. Classic French dish. Uh, we had our, um, in order to utilize the wings off of the ducks that we butcher, we confit those, uh, and then we toss them in this highly intense uh, Grand Marnier glaze. Uh, shave some or microplane some orange zest on top, and it's a, a, a nice little bar snack of duck all orange wings. <clears throat> but then also, we do uh, an adaptation of duck all orange as an entree with a 14 day dry aged uh, duck breast uh, with pickled satsuma oranges, uh, a um, Dolce Forte sauce, which is a French sweet and sour that had 20 different components inside of it, just to get you this uh, aroma and flavor of a sweet and sour orange sauce that was savory enough that it didn't feel like it was dessert. Um, and, you know, duck orange, like I said, is, is, is a classic dish. Um, Dover Sole Meniere. Uh, these dishes have gone through the test of time and everybody has done it, but there's always the same kind of thing going through at every single place. Dover Solmanier, you're going to get a piece of seared Dover, hopefully uh, deboned table side with a uh, brown butter Meniere sauce, capers, lemons, parsley, chive, croutons. So here's a question for you. You know, in this day and age, I think uh, there are, you know, people are more excited about food. But um, I think there are a lot of people who are always saying, oh, we need the next new thing. We need the next most innovative thing. And they're, they're not thinking about the classics because in their mind that's not as exciting where it's tired and it's dated. You know, what do you have to say for why these dishes are still so relevant today? because they're good. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I would have to say I would, I would kind of maybe argue that statement a little bit in saying is that I think people outside of our industry are, are looking for that 
what is new, what is now, yeah. what is your avant-garde type cooking, uh, bacon hanging from a string uh, type food, actually that you see a lot here in Chicago. Um, but people in our industry, I think, are looking and chasing more towards this classic type stuff. Um, when you look at what's happening here in Chicago, actually, a lot of these chefs that uh, – Chefs from past, Graham Elliott, uh, he just reopened a new bistro here. Um, you will find uh, most of the chefs in Chicago are at one of these brand new restaurants that are serving classic dishes. Um, just because it really, it takes us all back to um, where we started. Um, and I think that's also where a lot of this ties in with why these, this food is still relevant, is it still generates a memory for people. Uh, it still gives people excitement that they've had this back in, you know, five years ago and it still tastes the same or they've had, and, and it's a positive memory and people like when they eat and their experience, they love to have positive memories for, for what they're doing. You know, I absolutely agree because I feel like, um, for me as a diner, there are two different types of restaurants, you know, I like to go to new and exciting restaurants where the menu rotates. But there are restaurants here where I go, I order the same thing because I know that on my birthday when I was 16 and now it is it reminds me of that moment and it it tastes so familiar and it's exactly the same. And so it does kind of bring you back whether you're a chef or a diner, you know, back to an earlier time and I I like to call it um, old mama dishes, you know, because yeah. it reminds you of sitting at your mama's table on Sunday afternoon and knowing that it was something that, you know, has been cooked down and you stand around and you talk and you visit and you connect while the process of that food is coming together. And uh, I, I feel like we move so quickly that sometimes we, we need more of that. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. No, you know... For, for people out there that want to start, you know, becoming better cooks and, you know, whether they're novice cooks or, um, you know, sophisticated home cooks with whole cookbook libraries, um, where do you suggest that they just start and, and how do you recommend that they, you know, make dishes that, that come out the way they're supposed to? What, what's your advice to them? Um, I mean, it's really, it's, it's just practice and it's, it's love. I mean, if you don't love to do something, you know, it's never going to show, uh, it's never going to show in the, in the food. You can, you can say, you know, I, I, I cook for my, you know, family at home. If you don't love to do it, I mean, it, it just doesn't show, uh, starting off, uh, I mean, learning and knowing knife cuts, moving on to stocks, moving then into uh, your basic dishes um, and learning how to cook uh, meat properly in, in all of its forms, whether it's braising, searing, pan roasting, um, grilling, uh, all of that. Just <clears throat> it's a lot of knowledge to take in, but. Uh, in order to to really become good at something, you need to have all that knowledge. 
and you have to practice. And I, I, I say, you know, don't be afraid to feed it to the dog. <laughs> I mean, there have been a few right. dishes where, you know, that has happened because, you you know, you're practicing, you're trying something new. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I agree with you that uh, if, it, if it doesn't make you happy to cook it, it's not going to make people happy to eat it because there is right. something about that energy that goes into it that it it does come out in the final product. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think back to your childhood or your early career cooking, are there certain dishes that just really make you happy? That make you go, "This is a dish." <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you what. One thing that is. I have two really ridiculous dishes that you would just not even think that uh, somebody would say. Um, <clears throat> my dad used to cook um, what he used to tell us he learned in the Navy. Uh, it's pretty much SOS. Yes. <laughs> it was, yeah, beef and gra- ground beef and gravy on top of mashed potatoes with a piece of bread underneath it. And... and- I love it just every time I have if I go home to visit my parents, I'm like, Dad, you know what you got to do, right? (laughs) And is it because of the flavors? Was it a first time you fell in love with food? Was it the memory of being with your family? What is it about that dish that I think um, the memory of being with the family? um, And then, you know, we all we all worked. well, when we were younger, my 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 mom worked, my dad worked, um, my sister, uh, she moved away uh, to go to culinary school to be a chef as well. My younger sister, she was out. So it was like every time we came together, it was just my dad. My dad knows how to cook, and especially he's got two chefs in the family. He better know how to cook. <laughs> um, he would. That was just something that we would do, and it was a memory of that. And it just always, we always left full, always left full. So... And what's the other dish? The other dish is, um, and this is just like up here in the north. Uh, well, in the north, I'd say we do those pot. We do potluck dinners, right? Um, everybody, you invite people to over to your home, and everybody brings a dish. And most of the time, they're just these dishes that are just thrown together with store bought ingredients, or um, you know, it, they don't take a lot of time. But um, uh, this taco salad that uh, my little sister makes, <clears throat> just ground beef, corn chips, stuff like that. And it, it just, it, it reminds me of being with my family again. Um, every year we go to our place in northern Michigan, and this is the only time we have this and then over the 4th of July. Um, and I, I love it. Like I fiend for it. Like I wait every year just for this taco salad and I eat it for like three days. <laughs> but I, you know, I love that. And I love how the food evokes the menu me, uh, memory. I, I feel the same way about Popeye's fried chicken. I'm only allowed to have it once a year, but I look forward yeah. to it that one day. It's not something that is, you know, super fancy or exciting, but it's like right. you remember you know, something that you had, whether it was with family, friends, or from a restaurant. So it's super Yeah, fun. I mean, I cook foie gras and truffles all day. I mean, I, at some point in time, you're just, you're sick of it. <laughs> and you just want normal, you just want normal food that is not fussy. And, and once again, that goes back to why, you know, these classic dishes, 
people uh, why it invokes so much memory. So if we opened your refrigerator, Chef, at your house, what's in it? Uh, right now is a stuffed uh, Chicago deep dish pizza uh, <laughs> from Chicago's. Uh, I have a whole lot of vegetables uh, at home. We are uh, not eating uh, a ton of uh, meat at home just because we're stri- or, you know, trying to get a little bit better. I've got a quinoa salad, some tofu, um, and a ton of beer. I, I love it. So if um, I, I, this is, we have just a, a couple minutes left, but um, yeah. if I put you uh, anywhere in the world to go and study food and eat food, where are you going to go? I am going to Seoul, Korea. Awesome. Well, good. Well, so yeah. the next show will be telling me why you have chosen that and then we'll talk Korean food but um Jeff, will you uh, tell everybody where Margot Brasserie is located and um just a little bit of you know where they can find out more about you yeah no problem uh so Margot Brasserie is a restaurant by Michael Mina and we are located inside of the Waldorf Astoria in uh downtown Chicago, uh, which we actually, I love to, to throw this out there, just took over as the number one luxury hotel property in North America. Yay. So excited about that. Um, you can uh, find me at chef underscore Damien underscore Yopek on Instagram or just Damien Yopek on Facebook. That's all I do. I don't do that Twitter stuff. The <laughs> Instagram tweet face is too much for me. Um, but yeah, other than that, you, if you're in Chicago, you're going to either find me uh, in the kitchen or find me at one of these local breweries around here. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to join me today. For our listeners out there, you are listening to Chef Damien Yopek with Margot Brasserie. This is Chef Amy Sins with New Orleans by Mouth on WRBH 88.3 FM. Until next time, ciao.